Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Are you rolling with the dubs against Dallas? Are you rolling with Boston over Miami? Are you rolling with the Avalanche now that Jordan Binghamton is gone for the St. Louis Blues? However and whenever you may be betting, BetOnline is the place to stop during the remainder of the basketball and hockey playoffs. Use our promo code BLEAVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take. It easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in everybody. It is Friday, May twenty seventh, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in. However, and whenever. You may be listening if you're enjoying the beginnings of your three-day weekend or the ends of your three-day weekend or however you're enjoying a three-day weekend. I hope you are enjoying it. Perhaps it's a four-day weekend for you. Whatever it may be, I hope you enjoy it. Content's going to keep rolling here. We're going to have Wired Up. We're going to have podcasts on Monday, breaking down whatever happens in Heat Celtics Game 6, which is today, and possibly a Warriors Mavericks series. We'll have all of that coming up through your three-day weekend here on the Take It Easy Podcast Network. Today, we are going to move out of the NBA world. We're going to move out of the sports world in terms of the stereotypical sports analysis we've done uh, for for the past few days. And I guess we didn't really do stereotypical sports analysis the first part yesterday. We talked about the Uvalde, Texas mass shooting, which I encourage you to check out that episode as well and all the content we've done throughout the week. I wanted to circle back to a story that we've been covering. I I like to think well for the last year. I I hope other people say that more than I do because I'd like to learn how to cover this story better. And it is what I've called a sports story for a generation. A generation of sports will in part be defined by this story, a story that transcends sport. It is a national conversation and a reckoning with the way that women are are treated, especially by men in positions of power in America, and how we protect victims and actually let their stories be heard and believing women and believing victims. Obviously, the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial is something that's captivated the nation in that way, too, and continues similar conversations about intimate partner violence and people in power abusing power and just the general way that women get treated in America. And again, I'm, I always preface on the front end, I'm discussing this from a heteronormative relationship standpoint. This is overwhelmingly male perpetrators against female victims. There's also 
uh, to a lesser extent, but still prevalent, female perpetrators against male victims, female perpetrators against other females, male partner violence against other males. I'm speaking from a heteronormative standpoint just because it does constitute a large portion of these cases that we hear about. So putting that on the front end, I wanted to spend today's podcast just talking about Deshaun Watson. And when we talk about this case, which for people who, again, may not know, they're going through the civil court process on 22 civil cases being brought against Deshaun Watson, alleging sexual harassment, sexual misconduct, and sexual assault amongst massage therapists and people who Watson agreed to work with under a professional setting and then harassed, and in some cases abused. Criminal charges were not filed, or sorry, criminal charges were filed and the, the criminal charges were dropped in the state of Texas in two different counties. And now the civil court is, the civil court case is proceeding uh, in a case that I thought would end up being settled out of court. Now, lo and behold, this is a totally unprecedented case of a sexual predator and women that reaches close to two dozen that we know about, because there's 22 women who have brought forward cases against Watson, plus other women who have spoken out to people like Jenny Vrentas of Sports Illustrated, who are not pursuing charges against Watson, and we know that he's reached out to 40-plus massage therapists in his past year plus, and in past podcasts, we've gone through the list of accusations on Watson. What I wanted to talk about today is the Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel story that was done around this case. And in the case, they got to talk to Ashley Solis, who has been an absolutely pioneering leader on this issue. Ashley has been the person who is the face and the representation of these 22 women. We don't know the names of really any of the other woman, uh, women. There's a, there's a second woman who speaks in this story named Kyla Hayes. And she also talks on camera about her experiences with Deshaun Watson and articulates how a, a, a part of this story that hasn't been talked about, which is how you have to interact with someone in these situations a second, a third, a fourth time after they've engaged in lewd behavior and sexual misconduct in a professional setting. And when they make you incredibly uncomfortable and yet you're forced into interactions, how that can replicate trauma. Um, if, if you haven't watched The Real Sports Story with Bryant Gumbel, it's available on HBO Max. Um, it's really well done. They, they follow the same structure that we do when talking about these types of cases, which is the human story of the victims and humanizing the people who are victims in this case, then talking about the legal standpoint, and then talking about it from a sports standpoint. They follow that same structure. It's really well done. I learned things about this case that I didn't know because I haven't been following the, the civil court case as new details come forward and depositions are held because it's just a really long process and news sports news media, which is the reason that this is covered in the first place, you don't see every case like this being brought to light and details being deeply reported. Even sports news media are not great at digging into the legal findings of this. They're great at talking about trade values and stories about the athletes themselves instead of the women who are bringing forth this case. And, and by the way, they're not expected to be legal experts in this regard. It just would make it easier for myself. It takes people like the reporters at Real Sports to uncover information that even I didn't know about while following this story. So let's talk about this first from the moralizing or, or the moral standpoint, the morals and ethics and humanizing this story for these women. 
So Ashley Solis was is the person who's been vocal about this. If you've seen, we've played the clip before on this podcast where Ashley Solis stands up at the original press conference back in March of 2021 as the first person to file a lawsuit against Deshaun Watson. I believe that was on March 17th because we did a one-year recap on the date of that. And within a week, I think it was actually within like a day, you had a dozen more people coming forward with these types of complaints. Ultimately, over the course of three weeks, that turns into 20, I, I believe it was 24 and then a, once they made it such that people couldn't uh, had to disclose themselves publicly, a couple of people dropped the, the suits against Watson, so now it's down to 22 people. And so Ashley Solis is the person who's speaking as a face and a voice for women who, in part, is protecting their identity so that they aren't subjugated to the national scorn and, and character smearing that people have done to this woman the same way that people did to Christine Blasey Ford in the wake of the Brett Kavanaugh trials, where Christine Blasey Ford has had to move houses multiple times in the aftermath of such a case. And the same way Anita Hill was treated back in 1991 when she testified against Clarence Thomas about his sexual misconduct as he was being added to the Supreme Court. In that same respect and in that same vein, people have uh, gone after Ashley Solis, and she has continued to remain a strong voice and a leader for these women who have followed her. She was the leader who broke the, the, the door down and, and went through the wall to, to be the uncomfortable person, being the one and only. And obviously other people had communicated with Tony Busby, but being the one person who was willing to go forth with filing a lawsuit and then having 21 other women follow in suit after her, which is very disheartening and also empowering at the same time. You, you don't want dozens of women to have their professional careers tarnished by the most powerful athlete within 50 mile radius of where they live. And at the same time, to have that community of people who can lean on the person to the left and lean on to the person to the right in sharing their story and sharing their pain is incredibly powerful in helping to believe women and empowering women to come forward in these situations. So Ashley Solis is the person who, who speaks eloquently on this issue and talks about it being a slap in the face that the NFL is rewarding Deshaun Watson for this, the type of behavior that labels him a sexual predator. Like by all accounts and information, this is a person who is a sexual predator engaged in a he said, she said, she said, she said, she said, she said, 21 down the line, she says, against Deshaun Watson. And so Ashley Solis talked about the pain of staying quiet for years and then deciding to file a lawsuit with Tony Busby. And it was it was really closer to about a year and then having two plus years of her life be consumed by this situation and, and still being able to engage in, in her business. And one of the quotes that she has in the real sports story very eloquently put is, I am not a sex worker. And the reputation is such of that sometimes in massage therapy that men, sometimes women, but especially men, are inclined to believe that a female massage therapist is stereotypically within the context of a sex worker. And she articulates this eloquently to Soledad O'Brien, who was the, the reporter for Real Sports, who was doing this story. And Ashley talked about how this case is something that has consumed her life. And, and she's, you know, doing it because it's the right thing to do and all of that stuff. And there's it's a really sad story because 
in some of these cases, there are blurred lines about consensual relationships and harassment. And the problem is, is that the smear campaign of Ashley Solis and any woman who comes forward, you're going to have to endure this as a deterrent for men in power to not to create a system where they don't have consequences. And so this is where the smear campaign becomes incredibly difficult. And hearing Ashley talk again is always very empowering because it's not backing down and, and helping spread the word and helping me be more informed so that maybe I can inform other people or people watching real sports can be informed with the real reporting around this. And so the other person I was introduced to is Kyla Hayes. And Kyla Hayes was uh, tells the story about how she was contacted through Instagram at her spa by Deshaun Watson and the same pattern of harassment that is described by her that Ashley Solis went through where Deshaun Watson kept touching her hand intentionally with his penis and making that that motion of like nudging towards it ultimately Watson ejaculates and she articulates this in part with lawyer speak uh, for sure and he ejaculates and it's a terrible setting and he has a little bit of a threatening way out the door where he's talking and the same thing happened to Ashley was like I don't want my career to be messed with the same way you don't want yours and so that threatening message kind of puts women into silence where they don't engage, where in the case of Ashley Solis, she doesn't engage with Watson again and doesn't want to and, and stays silent for years about the situation that happens. In the case of Kyla Hayes, Kyla has to have subsequent text interactions with Deshaun Watson, which then in court are going to be brought up against her and her case because oh if you were so afraid of this situation why did you continue to engage with this person and so kyla hayes explains how she had to give him the quote-unquote okie doke in order to kind of like say oh i'm sorry i don't have availability right now uh, let me just ignore you because this person is powerful and there's a fear that if you say the wrong thing this person may retaliate against you and this person holds a lot of power and the power to derail your business in a like and also send a massive army of houston up against you he has the power to do that and only the quote-unquote good nature of this person is who again is is a sexual predator in this situation is preventing you is keeping you quiet and preventing you from trying to say the wrong thing and so she explains how she just had to kind of sidestep him and just avoid him as much as he could until he stopped asking for follow-up appointments and other business similar to the first interaction that they had where he ejaculates on her and tries to rub and removes his towel and rubs himself up against her while she's trying to engage in a massage and the details of this are really terrible and I encourage you to to watch the story it's heartbreaking it really does help gain perspective on this situation because you see Ashley Solis holding back tears as she de describes this situation and talking about how her body just started feeling hot and muscles were tensing up and there's this fear that something bad was going to happen and cortisol starts dripping and you're afraid of should I get out of here do I just freeze do I hope that it stops it's a really really uh, like I say sad, it's really disheartening, it's scary, it's all kinds of emotions that also make you angry at Deshaun Watson, even though I try to not process grief and tragedy through anger, 
It's just terrible that there's not a belief of this person who's clearly distraught by this situation and willing to put her life through years of torment in order to do the right thing and be a leader for 21 other women. It's a really great piece. I encourage you to check it out. There, there's a lot of great moralizing that they talk about around this situation. Or, sorry, not moralizing. There's a great humanizing of this situation. And we talk about morals and ethics because there is a line that definitely gets crossed here, and this relates to the NFL and whether you think working in the NFL is a privilege and how high the personal conduct policy goes above the law. And we'll get to that part at the end of the episode as well. They just kind of tie together in this context is that humanizing and following a moral and ethical path and, and talking about this stuff and the types of behavior specifically that Watson engages in with these victims is important for describing this story. So we've talked about this a couple times before. I think it's a really good piece that you should check out on Real Sports there as well. Transitioning into the legal side of this case, Real Sports did a good job of laying out the details of possible smear campaign and the case that uh, Rusty Harden and Watson's attorneys are making in the case for throwing this out. And they have uh, a female lawyer representing Deshaun Watson come on at the end as well, seeming quite defensive, and in part that might just be because she's loud, and I don't want to stereotype on that. Um, at the same time, the details that they talk about in the case are that of the 22 women who are bringing cases forward, the point of contention for Watson's defense is Tony Busby is the person who represents all of these women, and they talk to Tony Busby in the story as well, and, and the claim is that Tony Busby is a, uh, a lawyer looking for clout and all the smear campaign of the imperfect person who's willing to bring this case forward, which happens, it's, it's stereotypical for the playbook of these cases, is discredit the victims, discredit the lawyer as attention-hungry, power-hungry, etc., etc. It's, te it's textbook, playbook in this situation, it's a desperate attempt, and it's easy to point out if you've followed enough of these cases. And so, in this case, they pointed to Tony Busby, they also point to the fact that of the 22 women who have filed law uh, civil lawsuits against Deshaun Watson, seven of them have... Seven of them had future engagements with Watson after this interaction, including people who saw Watson again a second time after that. And the other piece that they talk about is that three of the women who are pursuing this case did engage in consensual sexual interactions with Deshaun Watson during their encounters as physical therapists and massage therapists. Uh, two women engaged in oral sex with Deshaun Watson after massages were completed. One person engaged in consensual vaginal sex with Deshaun Watson. And these are the points of contention that they point to in terms of trying to deny culpability is that these women in the, the in this case, these women should their cases should be thrown out by nature of them having consensual relationships with Deshaun Watson and in the case of the other seven people engaging with Deshaun Watson after the case, because if it was so traumatizing, why would you continue to engage with this person? which discredits the fact that 15 of the women did not engage with Deshaun Watson again after this case, and 15 versus 17 in this case is still an incredibly repugnant situation to be discrediting. Even to the point of the seven women in this case, and in, in, in regards to culpability, we had Kyla Hayes explain how just because you engage in text conversation or a second meeting with this person, there is fear 
that this person is going to retaliate against you because they are incredibly powerful. And that's what makes this a complex situation in regards to Watson. Kyla Hayes explains in this story how you just have to keep engaging with this person because if you don't say anything, there's a fear of retaliation or fear that they're going to say something bad to other people and it's going to ruin your business. And the thing that spreads about it while you have to stay quiet because of the incredibly compromising nature that Deshaun Watson has put you in. And the fact that if you talk about this openly in circles, first of all, it's an incredibly traumatic situation that you shouldn't have to talk about with people unless you trust them. And in the case of Ashley Solis, you don't have to bear your soul forward for everyone to throw hatred on you or throw, you know, um, throw support and admiration onto you, but also a whole lot of vilification and hatred that rings a lot louder because those people can commit hate crimes against you. Anyways, and so in this case, you're seeing that just because you have to engage, when someone is powerful, you sometimes have to continue engaging with someone and the trauma doesn't really set in because there's a shock factor in a lot of these cases. And so they explain that for the seven women, which doesn't talk about all of them. They only have one of the seven in their story specifically. It's why it's important when we really care about this case to listen to every one of the women's stories, which depositions are being taken right now. It's probably, there's no, they talked about at the end, there's no settlement that's being engaged right now. So the trial would be after football season, which is something that I didn't realize was that this is something that could be dragged out longer, even though Watson set up a contract in such a way that he has virtually no deal set up for this year. He has no guaranteed money against the salary cap for this year because he's anticipating a suspension. And if they continue to play this out, it'll go into 2023. And so the civil court depositions talk about that. Now, in the case of the three women who engaged in sexual account consensual sexual encounters with Deshaun Watson, it doesn't rule out the possibility that there was harassment that led to that situation in the beginning and the fact that there could be possible sexual coercion in this case, including from the women who alleged sexual assault by Deshaun Watson in criminal court in uh, two different districts, one of them Harris County. I don't know where the second district was, but people who engaged in case in, in criminal complaints, it doesn't mean that Deshaun Watson isn't culpable of harassment prior to such a case because it was established, I, I, according to the woman who is representing Deshaun Watson, it was established after the massages had been completed that there would be consensual sexual encounters. And so unless you're going into it with the knowledge that there's going to be consensual sexual encounters, to which it seems like Deshaun Watson didn't engage in until he got there with the other 20-plus women in these cases, you see that Deshaun Watson has to, you know, Deshaun Watson possibly engages in harassment prior to the case, and this is a culpability situation that is really difficult to dive into without having the details, which is why the uh, criminal court, which again, in the state of Texas is a really high bar to reach for criminal sexual misconduct and criminal sexual assault. It is a really high bar to hit in order for prosecution. And so with all of the blurred lines in these details, it ends up getting thrown out because to prove culpability in criminal court, it has to be ruled with beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is reason to press charges or there, there's at least probable cause to press charges and then be proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. And the bar is incredibly high according to the law. 
in the case of civil lawsuits, you have to be proven 51% likely to be culpable for damages and you pay out financial settlements. And so in this financial settlement, you just have to prove that Watson was more likely than not culpable in these situations. And just because you engage in a consensual sexual encounter doesn't mean the events that led up to it were not also sexual harassment and coercion. This is the argument that's being articulated in court and will possibly get some of these civil suits thrown out. And it was really good that I got this information because I did not know those details. I did not know the point of contention from the Watson's legal team was seven people continued to engage with Watson afterwards and three people engaged in consensual sexual encounters with Watson who are filing lawsuits. These are just of the people that we know about. And so it was interesting to hear that information because I did not have access to that prior to this part of the story. And learning, and this is transitioning into the NFL side of it, learning that from a legal standpoint, this case is going to go into 2023 in the event that they go to a full trial. And Watson would possibly not be suspended by the NFL. And if the NFL doesn't put him on the exempt list, which the NFL has not done yet at any point during this case, you know, the argument could be made it was a wink, wink, nod, nod. Um, put Deshaun Watson on the uh, exempt list by the Texans essentially just benching him and paying him the full $38 million last season in what was basically, you know, people call it a one-year, losing a year of his career. He got paid $38 million to lose a year of his career. And so it's possible that that's what happens next year, or additionally that Deshaun Watson is allowed to play for the Cleveland Browns next season. So... What's interesting about this situation is the NFL is stuck in limbo. And one of the th- I mean, we remember the, the story that the Cleveland Browns contacted none of the representatives from Cleveland during this trial. Or sorry, during the um, NFL investigation and when they were doing their quote-unquote due diligence on the trade. Which, of course, the Cleveland Frowns were just making the best football decision the same way that the Panthers and Saints and Falcons would have done the same thing if Deshaun Watson had let them get away with it. They were pitching themselves to Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun Watson chose Cleveland with the largest contract by far in the history of the NFL. And so, in the case of the NFL suspension and the NFL investigation... Tony Busby articulated that the NF, or I'm sorry, Ashley Solis articulated that it felt like the NFL was doing it because they had to. The NFL was, uh, Tony Busby talked about how they were expected to investigate this case. Even if the NFL started asking people questions and then eventually Busby did not make them available to NFL investigators because they felt the NFL investigators were not doing a proper job of investigation. And so now the NFL remains in limbo where it seems like they did not do a good job investigating this case, which the NFL is not equipped to investigate in these situations. And ultimately the results of the investigation will have little effect I mean, other than the things that have been brought to light in reporting and legal documentation, unless the NFL is bringing new information to light that doesn't exist in the legal documents, ultimately the NFL's decision for suspension will be based on public relations. 
which is the NFL's prerogative. I don't like that it's the case. It still creates an accountability measure because public pressure will hold people accountable. It didn't hold people accountable up until Ray Rice, and all of a sudden the NFL had to create a personal conduct policy from scratch. The way baseball had to create a personal conduct policy in 2015, the way that basketball had to create one in 2014, and the way that hockey has still not created a personal conduct policy. For people who don't know, hockey has no personal conduct policy similar to the other three major sports in America. And so the thing that happens with Deshaun Watson is you are left with an investigation that didn't deliver on the way that you had anticipated, you've alienated the uh, the the Busby camp and the people who are supposed to be allies in your investigation, which are the women who are filing a lawsuit against Watson. And so the NFL finds themselves stuck in quagmire at the same time at Deshaun Watson's contract with Cleveland stipulates that Deshaun Watson will make basically no money next season, anticipating a suspension, and then will basically get a four-year $252 million contract, which will be more than Aaron Rodgers by about $6 million a year and all that stuff. And the NFL can let Deshaun Watson get away with it, or they can bring the hammer down upon him, or anything in between. The NFL holds the cards in this situation, because Watson has played his hand. He has set up a contract in such a way and he assigned a contract with the Cleveland Browns where they were guessing he would be suspended the entire season or a significant portion of the season in 2022, and he would be able to achieve his full pay by backloading it after his legal troubles have passed by. And Cleveland enabled him in this, and it's why I want to call them the Cleveland Frowns and shame them for the remainder of time for trading for, trading for and enabling a sexual predator to avoid consequence, which... NFL corporations need morals on that bar. It's a really low bar to hit. Don't enable and do, do not enable and uh, protect a sexual predator. It is a really easy bar to hit in terms of moralizing and ethics in your football. And so the Cleveland Browns worked with Watson to enable him to skirt as little consequence as possible. And whether it's the NFL's prerogative or not, to push back against that is another thing. The NFL didn't stop teams from trading for Deshaun Watson. It was their and, and nor should they in that respect. The NFL can stop this case and st give Watson real accountability measures if they want to. They can place him on the exempt list for this season and he won't get paid a ton of money. Like, that's part of the situation right now. They could suspend him this year and his okie doke works. They let him get away with the okie doke on, we're not going to, we're going to suspend him for a season. It, it's a suspension that, you know, set by precedent of Major League Baseball now with a two-year ban for Trevor Bauer. You, you push that past and, okay, all of a sudden you don't have to worry about you know, you have to actually act upon this situation. In the case of Trevor Bauer, his career is effectively over and all of that stuff. So in the case of Deshaun Watson, you can put him on the exempt list for another year and suspend him in 2023, which would essentially be three years out of football, two of which he gets paid, one of which he gets a giant new shank, a swank, swank, swanky contract for $252 million and you skirt through the one year of the deal, 
You could suspend him next year and let him get away with it. You could do something in the in-between. And he'll argue for lost time and the union will fight it and all that stuff. This is going to be a situation where the NFL can do what they want. And it will be really truth-telling about the state of affairs for the NFL in terms of where it's where it feels that its fan base is in terms of what power it has and what it can get away with in creating an accountability measure for sexual crimes. And the NFL should be in the morals game because legal systems, I mean, the NFL is not equipped for this situation, but legal systems are failing to protect these women. You have systems of accountability like human resources that have failed these women. And so some measure of accountability is requested so that this powerful man who is one of the five best people at throwing the football in the NFL can't or five best people in the world at throwing a football that this person can't this rich and powerful person cannot get away with lewd acts and being a sexual predator and the NFL can let him get away with it or the NFL can set a precedent I'm not sure what they're going to do I can predict what they're going to do I'm not going to do that because I'm not a moral arbiter in this situation there's so many different directions that this could end up going and the NFL has the power to enable Deshaun Watson and let him get away and, and enable the Cleveland Frowns for trading for that contract and structuring it in, in an appalling way that allows him to skirt a one-year suspension in 2022. You could delay the suspension to 2023. You could suspend him for two years. You could put him on the exempt list this year and just kick the suspension down the road. It'll be interesting to see what the NFL chooses and what the NFL feels from a public relations standpoint they have to do in regards to the suspension. It might be next week that they announce a suspension, which is less likely because the civil court trial is still ongoing. It might be two weeks from now. It might be two months from now. They might put him on the exempt list right before the season starts. They might even let him play football. I would be shocked if they do. At the same time, everything is pushing in that direction right now. And they generate a lot of media conversations around this case. And so the NFL is willing to keep it in the news cycle for the time being. And because there's not a lot going on on the Watson front, not bring it back to full focus until they feel there's a resolution on the legal side. And they feel like they've reached a place where they can mitigate damages in regards to people who are going to outcry on this is too strong of a punishment and this is too lenient of a punishment and battle the public relations story because as soon as the suspension comes down, it will not just be an ESPN story. It will not just be a NFL Network story. It will not just be a Pat McAfee show story. It will be NBC. It will be CBS. It will be CNN. It will be a national news story when the suspension comes down because this is a sports story for a generation. The way we talked about Jerry Sandusky in 2012, it is a sports story that transcends sport. The way Colin Kaepernick was, and, and Colin Kaepernick is still in the news cycle. When he gets a workout with the Raiders, it's leading Sports Center. And when he gets a, a workout with the Raiders, it's leading on Fox News and leading with CNN and leading for people who have turned Colin Kaepernick into a political tool even six years after he played his last NFL snap. And in that same way, Deshaun Watson is going to matter on a national level, transcending sport because it is a sports story for a generation. And the NFL has a choice to make on how much public relations they want to take. They've had years 
to prepare. It seems like they're not really doing much more investigating and they're more just waiting for the legal case to, to go down. I thought there would have been a settlement last year. But this was before realizing that this was a sports story of a generation and there's literally no precedent for such sexual crime, possible alleged sexual crimes and sexually predatory behavior against, uh, you know, that even in other cases that haven't settled ones that I thought would settle. Cause I'm just used to the conditioning. Oh, powerful people will settle. Powerful people will pay to make it go away. Even in those cases, I thought they would have settled last year. I thought they would have settled before they go to trial. It looks like this is going to play out over two years and Deshaun Watson is willing to lose years of his career instead of the optics of a settlement in order to silence these women. And the women are willing to come forward and want their day in court for years of pain and heartache as a result of this sexual predator. All of that to say, NFL's got a really interesting choice there. And I really encourage you to watch the real sports story with Bryant Gumbel around this situation around this Deshaun Watson story and we get to hear from victims and so great at humanizing this story and doing legal analysis with real backed reporting behind it I mentioned always check out Jenny Vrentas's reporting on Deshaun Watson if you google Deshaun Watson Jenny Vrentas you can read the stories about that it's really well done reporting about a situation that as much as I talk about it here and try and dissect every couple months or so on a long-form podcast there's a lot of different moving pieces that need to be accounted for. And I hope we could have taken a full podcast here to provide a little bit more clarity around this Deshaun Watson situation. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. Leave a five-star review, download, all that good stuff. We really appreciate each and every one of you continuing to support this here fine show. Um, we'll be back on Sunday with Wired Up. And uh, we'll be back next week with all kinds of podcasts as well. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, take it easy.